is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. All right, all right. Uh, eight minutes after uh, seven o'clock, the Monday night edition of the Employment Law Show is set to go. John Scholes here, as always, and joining me tonight, we'll show him lots of love. His uh, first kick at the can, and uh, you can't make this this name up if you're a lawyer. Chris Justice, Christopher Justice, is here, associate Sanfiru to Mark and LLP, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in the land. He sounds like he could be in a Marvel movie, but no, he is here doing the lawyer thing with us. So he's going to be doing the same thing we do every night on the show, answering your questions, opening your eyes to employment law knowledge. How do you get involved with the show? Well, you're a key part of it, right? Uh, Phone number, first of all, 416-870-6400. 416-870-6400. Of course, that's the number you call in to talk live here to Chris and get some uh, get some information, get some questions answered. You also have the option of email that is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And all the way through the show, we often refer to a, a website that's free. It's anonymous called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's a ton of information about employment law built just for you and also wrapped up into that anytime you want to use it. The severance pay calculator will give you an actual real number of the severance you were owed. If it ever came down the uh, the pike that you were let go from your job, you'll know exactly where you stand because uh, you know what they write on a piece of paper and give to you is dreadfully wrong and inaccurate. So, again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But the phone lines are open. We're ready to go. We'll get into the world of constructive dismissal in just a few minutes. But, uh, Chris, good to have you on the show tonight, my brother. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. You bet. And I know you got a couple issues, a couple uh, matters you want to discuss off the top. Uh, relates to our listeners for sure for the uh, the week that was. Brother, go ahead. What's the first one? Yeah. So the first one, uh, of course, very topical, uh, has to do with the Omicron variant. Mm. And I know uh, there are a lot of questions in terms of what's coming down the line here. How is it going to affect the workplace? How is it going to affect someone's rights and entitlements? Um, I know that a lot of employers right now, uh, or at least were up until very recently, were calling a lot of employees back to the physical workspace. And um, it seems like with this new variant emerging, um, it's debatable whether or not we're going to go backwards in terms of having employees at the physical space itself, or if we're going to revert back to this work from home type arrangement. Yeah, it's it's interesting because people were all getting gung ho, and some were really happy to be back among their uh, their peers and their colleagues in the workplace. And now it looks like maybe on the horizon we'll be uh, hunkering down once again in our track pants, uh, doing Zoom calls, which everybody, nobody, I think, really, overall majorities, uh, looking forward to. But uh, as far as employment laws concerned, <clears throat> does this change things for employees or employers? I mean, it's it's hard to say at the moment. If of course we look at recent history in terms of when COVID started and and what impact it had, I I would say that it's probably going to be a similar impact uh, that this new variant has compared to the last. Although, depending on how severe it gets or or perhaps what government restrictions or regulations come in, there could be some differences. But I I would still say that generally speaking, um, if you're an employee and you lose your job or you're put on some form of leave, um, perhaps as a result of or in part due to this new Omicron variant, um, that, that you have rights, that in all likelihood you're probably going to be entitled to some severance, uh, just as though those people are entitled to severance uh, dating back to March 20, who've been put on a leave or, or some form of absence due to the, the ongoing pandemic so far. So I don't know if it'll necessarily change a whole lot, but again, that'll depend in part on 
how much different it is compared to how things were back in March and going forward. Has anything changed in that regard, uh, Chris, with the uh, the federally regulated employees, the vaccination by uh, sometime early or the end of January of next year? Where do we stand with that one? Yeah, so there was the recent announcement from the federal government uh, where they have announced that all federally regulated employees will be at some point required to have their employees vaccinated uh, or employers will have their uh, employees required to be vaccinated. Yeah. And it's being stated that this will take place sometime in the early part of next year. Um, so yeah, that, that definitely uh, will change things. I think for those who work in federally regulated sectors, uh, we've already seen um, some crackdowns on, on certain sectors like airlines and cruise ships and, and that kind of thing. So this, uh, as it appears, will apply to all federally regulated employees. Uh, now, one thing I do want to mention, though, and this has to do with timing, is that if you're a federally regulated employee and you have already lost your job uh, due to your employer's COVID policy or perhaps you've been placed on a leave of absence for yep. uh, noncompliance related reasons, uh, there's still a strong likelihood that you're owed severance, even with this mandate sort of looming in the not so distant future. So I think it'll come down to the timing of when your employer takes certain actions, what laws are on the books or in place at that time. Um, so don't think that you're necessarily dead to rights just because you're in that industry and you've been let go already. Again, phone calls, 416-870-6400. We'll get to Mike and Mary here in a moment. By the way, you want to reach out to Christopher Justice anytime. Our lawyer on the show tonight, Sanfiru Tamark and LLP, our associate there at the firm, 1-855-821-5900 when the show is uh, is off the air. How is this? Say you've got somebody, uh, Chris, that's been off since March of 2020. You are coming dangerously close to that two-year period uh, to make a severance claim and to, uh, to to help your own situation. Should people be moving on that now if they choose to do so? I mean, it's been almost two years. You think they'd be pretty clear where they stand, right? Yeah, yeah, no, but you are absolutely correct that uh, time is definitely of the essence. Oh. Um, there was uh, another recent announcement from the government where they decided to extend the infectious disease emergency leave. It was previously set to expire uh, next month, but now it's been um, pushed back to the end of July of next year. So what I think what will happen is employers, um, knowing that this extended, uh, are, are probably going to take advantage of that and either uh -huh. keep employees off on, on, on some sort of leave or, or layoff, or perhaps uh, you know, have some employees laid off or put on a leave you know, very shortly. And you're, you're right, again, to point out that, you know, this COVID period technically started back in March of last year. And uh, yeah, we are coming up on that two-year mark. And yeah. generally speaking, if you're an employee and you've lost your job or you've been laid off and you're looking to maybe pursue some severance, uh, the two-year mark from the day that you were laid off or let go is, is very key. So if you haven't sort of gotten on it already, given that we're fast approaching March of 2022, you definitely get need to get in touch with a lawyer and um, you know get the ball rolling sooner rather than later. Absolutely, call the firm at least have a chat one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred help at employmentlawyer.ca. I'm going to bounce over to our uh, first call of the night, <clears throat> Mike. Thanks for standing by. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. Good, sir. What's uh, what's on your mind? What I was wondering is I, I worked for the, my present employer for about five years. Uh, about a year ago. Uh, he 
deducting my wages or he knocked him down uh, $2 an hour. And he, what he said was it was because we're hauling for different clients. Like, I'm a truck driver, so <clears throat> I'm, I'm hauling a different product now for, for different customers. So he said he can't pay as much because they don't pay him as much. Mm-hmm. Now, that was about, I'd say, maybe seven months ago. And I've noticed, like, what, I'll go back and forth and I'll haul for, for a different customer. And then my rate will go back up to, to my original agreed upon when I made deployment with this person. I'm just wondering if, if there's anything I can do about it now because it's I've loved it so long. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the, the question, Mike. And, you know, you find yourself in a situation that, you know, I think a lot of people are in or have been in. Uh, and, and you're right to point out that time is, is also critical in this case. Employer has approached you, whether it's for a business reason, have told you that their wage unilaterally, and and you sort of agreed to it. I suppose one of the questions would be um, on what basis did you agree with the change, and if you I, agreed, I, I oh, did, go ahead. I didn't agree. Sorry, I I didn't agree to it. Um, I I. I've used to, I used to bounce back and forth in the wintertime. I'd, I'd do that work for this other um, customer, and right. um, there's two other drivers, and my rate never changed for the first two years that I did that. I used to do that in the winter because the other customer was slow in the summer or in the winter, and uh, there was no problem at all. And then this year he approached me and said, you know, that's the rate. Uh, I don't make as much money with them, but that's what I pay the other two guys. Right. And that's but I'm going to pay you or something like that. And then it never so you, happened for a month or so. And then all of a sudden it just, you know, it showed up on my, uh, on my paycheck and that was it. And, and you haven't been told as to when this might stop or if you'd be able to revert back to your previous wage. Uh, no, I, as far as I know, it's, it just, it's not going to stop. Like I, I right. talked to my manager about it. He said, well, just leave it with me and let me talk to him. But, you know, that was six months ago, right? I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, I I would say that if you object to this change, I mean, number one, you're going to want to voice your concern in that respect. I think it might also come down to how big of a change it is. So let's say, for example, that by virtue of this reduction, you've taken a 15% hit on your wages, uh, what they were previous. That's a pretty big change from a compensation perspective, or 20%. That's still a pretty big change. So if that's not something you're agreeable to, you need to make it known to your employer that that, that does represent a significant change to the terms of your employment. Because if you leave it too long and you're silent about you know your objection, that could be viewed potentially as you sort of condoning that change or accepting that change, even if it is begrudgingly. And if you haven't established a time frame for that change to end, then you could be seen as someone who's just agreed to a unilateral change um, or agreed to a change, I should say, for an undefined period of time. So these are situations where you want to kind of voice your objection and, and put it in writing if possible. And I think that this might be a situation where you need to get in touch with our firm and we can kind of coach you through what needs to be said and how so just to best preserve your rights going forward.
Mike, I appreciate your time in the call tonight. Got to take a short break. We'll get right back into it. Mary, stand by. You are next. And your phone calls, 416-870-6400. Christopher Justice, lawyer, associate, Sanfiru Tamarkin, LLP, is doing all the heavy lifting tonight. So bring it on. Your questions make the show. We'll continue. Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. All right, right back at it, 723. Good to have you along for the show. Christopher Justice, lawyer, associate, Sam Firu, Tamarkin, LLP. Maiden voyage for Chris tonight, answering all of your questions. So you know where to go, 416-870-6400 to talk here now on the show. You want to reach out to, uh, to Chris later on, get a hold of uh, Chris and his team, that's, that's easy enough. 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And right back to the calls we go. Priorities, don't you know? Mary, thank you so much for standing by. How are you? Good, and yourself? Excellent. Thanks for your time. What's uh, what's on your mind? Okay, um, just correct me if I'm wrong. I came across some information regarding Bill 27. They were talking about non-compete and then calling an employee after hours that they are allowed to ask for a minimum of four hours. Um, is this correct, and do I need to have a policy in effect? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, thanks very much for that, Mary. And, and this is very topical, of course, because Bill 27 did just get introduced recently. Um, you know, when I wrote Bill 27 and I looked at what it was trying to accomplish, I had some, some concerns as far as how exactly it's going to be enforced. Um, it, it appears as though... Um, presented with a view of making sure that we all have some break uh, break time after work and that we're not working at you know ungodly hours of the night and to prevent our employers from for lack of a better word harassing us you know constantly at night but I, I think that most employers probably already don't do that and if they were to start doing that whether bill 27 exists or not that's going to be a pretty substantial change to how things probably were beforehand. And, and you as an employee would have rights in any event uh, to sort of push back and say, you know, this isn't something I signed up for. Um, so, so I just question the, the practicality or the, the impact that this legislation will have, although I do think it'll have employers maybe think a bit twice before obviously contacting employees after hours. So if you find yourself as an employee working much greater hours than you did before, then that, again, could be a significant change that you didn't sign up for. So irrespective of Bill 27, if that's what's happening, that's probably something you should voice uh, a concern about and, and let your employer know because your employer cannot just simply add a number of hours onto your plate um, unilaterally. Um, so, And then just uh, quickly, Mary, the point about the non-compete clauses um, that, that's a good thing that's come out of this, this legislation, although courts are very reluctant to enforce non-compete clauses generally because they have a pretty big impact on the ability for someone to go out and find another job after they you know, leave a certain company. So this, I think, uh, in that context, only reinforced the general view, which is these clauses shouldn't really be upheld for the most part for that reason, that there's that restraint on somebody's ability to work or find work. Oh, I understand. Okay, so now with um, having be respective of that uh, time for an employee, 
it only applies to an hourly um, employee, not necessarily to a salary? Well, it, it can apply to, to a number of employees, but it's just going back to a question of what is it that you signed up for? You know, did you as an hourly employee agree to work 20 hours a week, 40 hours a week? Uh, did you as a salaried employee agree to work 40 hours a week or more? And, and how much is that now changing if it is, um, if your employer is coming in and saying we need you to work a, a much greater so I think it'll boil down to how big of a change it is, regardless of whether you're um, an hourly employee or a salaried employee, and, and also depending on whether you would want to accept that change, maybe ask for some, some more money in consideration of that change. Um, but it would come down to, to each case, fact, fact uh, case by case basis. Okay, great. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank man. you for your uh, your time, Mary. And uh, the phone number Mary used, you can use as well. Still got time. 416-870-6400. Uh, Martha, thank you for waiting patiently. How are you this evening? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. Thanks for the time. What's, uh, what's on your mind? So I have an executive level job. However, I have started a company with a family member, and it's not related to the industry that I'm currently working in. Uh, there is no non-compete contract with my current job, and I don't really look after the day-to-day -day stuff with the um, the company that I started with my family member. I'm just the majority shareholder. I provide guidance. Um, my partner, he is the president, secretary, and treasurer. So I'm just wondering if there's any issue with this, and if my employer knows this, am I violating any laws that prevent me from doing this? Yeah, that's another good question, Martha. Thanks for um, asking it. And I would say one of the starting points in, in your case might be to look uh, at the contract that you have with your executive level job. I know you mentioned there's no uh, reference to non-competes, uh, so that's helpful to know. Um, I'm not sure if there would be any language in your contract regarding a conflict of interest. I know... Uh, better employees to focus their full-time and efforts uh, on the one job if they work full-time, for example. Um, so it's possible that your employer could extend it affects your ability to perform your executive level job. Uh, there, there's also another issue of whether or not there's a fiduciary duty in your case. So for individuals that are higher up uh, on the, uh, the, the ladder, so to speak, within the company, um, there's going to be perhaps a greater degree of trust, confidence, reliance that's placed on those individuals to act in the best interests of the company. So the, the sort of addition of fiduciary duties could, could add to it, again, depending on high, how, how high level of a job you have. Um, I would definitely say that this is a situation where it would probably be good to kind of examine the contract or maybe whether there are other terms at play in your employment and sort of um, figure out what the best approach would be because you don't necessarily want to be doing this on the side if it is going to take up a lot of your time, um, perhaps without having a discussion with your employer. But that, that would be something I think better left for um, a consultation with, with a lawyer and, and going forward. I see. So this is even if I'm not involved in the day-to-day -day operation running of it, just sort of someone on the side providing guidance, correct? Well, yeah, and, and that I think is a relevant fact. Uh, I think if you have a very minimal role uh, in this other venture of yours, then logically that'll probably mean you're not going to be affected as much. 
and uh, there's there's a very good chance that your employer is not going to really take issue with it. Um, if you disclose it to your employer, there's nothing necessarily stopping your employer from acting in a certain way. But from the from the sounds of what you're saying, it doesn't seem like practically speaking that should be too much of an issue. So, do you think it's better if I disclose it or if I don't disclose it? Well, I, I and you said uh, the time that you're spending on this side venture, like how much are you actually spending time wise per week? Probably just a few hours after I finish work. Then, uh, in, in the position, when you say you have an executive level job, what, what role do you have within this company? It is a, a presidency level. Sorry, say that again? The president. President, okay. Um, well, if you're the president of the company, um, I don't know if you would have to report to a board of directors um, or report to anyone for that matter, but it sounds like you can pretty much do what you're doing if it is that minimal uh, of time and still perform your other job without any um, impact. So, so based on what you're saying, I think you should be fine. I don't necessarily think you need to disclose it. I assume all, I, I, and you said, sorry, uh, Martha, that it was unrelated uh, as well. So I think that's a relevant fact too, um, that there isn't like a competing interest per se. Martha, we're going to, uh, we're going to let you go and move on. You want to get uh, some more details and more information I advise you to uh, give Chris a call for sure. Have a uh, lengthier chat. 1-855-821-5900 would be the way to do that. 1-855-821-5900. You have the option of email as well. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. But in the meantime, more of your phone calls. 416-870-6400. You still, uh, still got some time. Lawyer Christopher Justice, associate at uh, Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP is Doing the show tonight for the first time and uh, loving it so far. I'm just lining up another call here. I want to get into our discussion as well, Chris, about uh, constructive dismissal in a moment. But I'm uh, going to bounce back over <clears> the <throat> phone for uh, another Mike. We've got another, all M's tonight. Mike, Mary, Martha, another Mike. How are you, Mike? Good. Um, so our question is, my son, he worked uh, retail for just under a year. Uh, it's not in his field of study. He graduated last year. There was a bit of kerfuffle at the work and they let him go basically they called him and said we don't think you're a good fit they didn't give any good reason they made it difficult for him to contact because the number they gave him for hr was wrong and long story short he eventually got a hold of hr they said well we let you go because we felt you you were you know with cause actually explained his side they said well okay we're not so sure about exactly what went on there we'll give you two weeks We'll change the uh, RE code to other and put in some comments. What would be an acceptable comment that we could 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 say is good from this from that perspective? We don't want to go back. We just need them to to to, to get this over and done. Do you? Uh, thanks for your question, Mike. When you say that the university had initially alleged that there was cause to terminate your son's employment, did they give a more specific reason for that? Sorry, it wasn't a university. It was retail. He, he graduated retail, from sorry. retail. He wasn't in his actual field of employment. They just said, you know, called him in and said, we don't think you're a good fit. Um, from what we heard from the HR person, the, one of the guys that was working there saying, you know, you, you, uh, you were being very aggressive towards me. When, in fact, this guy was threatening my son, saying, you want to go outside, right? After we explained our side, they said, okay, well, you know, we can't take you back. We'll just change it to a reason code of other and put in comments. Well, what's a good comment that we can accept? Well, you know, the best comment would really be just to have it say without cause. 
Um, you know, it, it doesn't sound like the the retail store or this retail location has cause because they've sort of wavered uh, on, on whether they have it or they don't have it. And then, as you sort of pointed out earlier, they've offered some form of severance uh, or notice pay. Now, I wouldn't necessarily accept that severance or payment that they're offering. I, I definitely think you should contact a lawyer um, because more often than not, what's being offered to you just simply isn't sufficient from a severance perspective. But as far as that record of employment's concerned, I think all you really need it to say is that um, he was let go on a without cause basis, uh, because that will also preserve his ability to collect EI if he so cho chose to do so. Um, and I also don't think that the retail place in this case would say anything much more, but I don't think more needs to be said. Um, okay. A lot of times companies, they say someone's not the right fit, and that's a very vague and general statement to make. Um, however, it is generally accepted by the courts in Ontario, so long as there's no bad, uh, bad faith at play or discrimination. Employers don't typically have to give the best of reasons for letting someone go, but what they do have to do is, if they don't have cause, provide that person with a sufficient amount of severance. And, and that's just something that's very rare, especially early on, and, and something that needs to likely be fought for a little. But yeah, going back to the record of employment, saying it's without cause is, is pretty much as good as you're, you're going to do and as good as it gets. Okay, thank you. No problem. Thanks, Mikey. Appreciate your time, and uh, thanks for the call. Moving on, 416-870-6400. Bobby, thanks for standing by. How are you? Thank you very much for taking my call. You bet. What's on your mind? I just had the uh, I had a situation there, and I was hoping the uh, lawyer could assist me in at least pointing me in the right direction, or if he could provide any further assistance. Mm -hmm. My mom was employed by a company. She had a slip and fall accident, and uh, since October she had surgery, and she's been on she's on disability. But since October twenty eighth, she's not received any of our payments. So we want to know: is there anything that could be done to? expedite that payment or like what needs to be done for them to to initiate that payment yeah th thanks for your question bobby uh, sorry thank just you. so i'm clear when was the last time your mother worked for this company october 28th uh, of this year october 27th of this year yes sir okay and so since October 27th, she, I suppose, with the support of her doctor or treating physicians, has been um, advised to remain off work uh, full stop altogether. Correct. And is your mother still leaving open the possibility of returning to this workplace once she recovers? Yes, that is the intention. But she had, sur she had a slip and fall accident. She had to have surgery on the um, shoulder. So it's uh, going to be a long... Mm -hmm. um, recovery and she's also doing uh, physiotherapy twice a week okay and and there's just some difficulty with the disability insurer paying out benefits yes sir and uh, is that because they don't believe that she has suffered a disability within the definition of the policy no we can't figure it out either ha have they Sorry to interrupt. Have they uh, put anything in writing to you in terms of why your mother is not able to qualify for the benefits? No, she's not being disqualified or anything. They just simply haven't. They're saying the payments in the mail, basically. For the oh, OK. <laughs> yeah, since October, they're saying the payments in the mail and it's never in the mail. 
Okay, yeah, that is that is strange. Um, I was going to say there are unfortunately a lot of situations where individuals get injured, whether it's in the workplace or, or otherwise, and the disability benefit insurer denies them benefits because it feels that the um, injury doesn't meet their definition of a disability. And so unfortunately, a lot of these individuals have to fight uh, to get the benefits that they deserve. And, and the firm that I, that I work with actually specializes partly in uh, helping people uh, get disability benefits, especially in cases where they're denied unfairly. And so if you feel like your mother's just being given the runaround by this um, insurance company, then it's definitely something you'll want to get in touch with us about because uh, it seems, based on what you're saying, like a pretty severe injury and it just happens. So I would imagine there's definitely going to be some time needing to be off. And, and if she's got the support from her doctors and in the face of all that, they're still denying her benefits or just, as I say, giving you the runaround, then, you know, you may need to get someone else involved and, um, you know, say, give them a little bit more incentive to, to pony up. Now, is that something you could assist us with? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I say, you know, we, we do work on the short-term disability benefits side, long-term disability benefits side. These issues often have a lot of overlap with employment law. And so that's partly why we specialize in that area, because a lot of times they, they come part and parcel with each other. Uh, sir, I have your number here, but what's your, who do I ask to speak to or they'll just put me, connect me to someone? Yeah, they'll, they'll, if you call our general line, uh, you're in Brampton. So if you call our Toronto office line, they'll um, look to set up a consultation or, or a phone call with um, someone who specializes in that area at our firm. All right, so we'll give you a call tomorrow morning. Thank you so much for your help and um, your feedback. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again, Bobby. Thanks, Bobby. Appreciate it. Again, as, uh, as Chris said, same number, great office, one 821 5900 They will direct you to the disability side. And to your point, Chris, there is so much overlap between disability law and employment law sometimes. It's it's good. I know a few of the uh, the lawyers in the firm do practice on both sides of the fence, but generally speaking, you want to go somewhere that handles both and knows both. So a uh, good call uh, calling in, Bobby. You're going to be in, in good hands when you make that call. Uh, tomorrow, still got a few minutes to go. You want to slide in a quick call? We might be able to take you four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. But uh, to you know, kind of go back to to employment law one hundred and one <clears> in, in a bit of a some regard here, Chris. Constructive dismissal, confusing term. People, you know, they've been listening to the show for ten years. It still sounds confusing. What exactly is a constructive dismissal? Yeah. So, so very simply put, a constructive dismissal is where your employer makes a substantial change or perhaps a number of changes that added up are substantial um, to the terms of your employment that you don't agree with, that you don't consent to. And so the employer is essentially imposing these changes on you. Again, it could be legitimate or, or not, but these changes are imposed on you. And so you as the employee have an option. If, if you're in that situation, you can choose to accept those changes um, or you can choose to object or reject those changes. Um, and, and again, timing is very important. I, I thought that constructive dismissal, or I think that constructive dismissal is a very important concept because these sorts of things happen in real time. You know, your employer will come to you, hey, these are the changes, and there may not be a lot of notice. And so you need to be aware of how to respond and, and be aware of your rights and that you have that right to potentially object and treat your employment as having been terminated if they're going to insist going down that path without your consent. And then that can trigger, of course, severance entitlements. 
Could be a record here, Chris. We got the third mic on the line tonight. <laughs> I don't know where all the mics are coming from, but hey, bring it on, Mike. How are you? You've got a couple minutes. What's on your mind? Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good, brother. Go I'm ahead. Off. I'm a truck driver in Toronto, and uh, I've been told that i got to work in the warehouse to sort freight and build skids and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, that's not what I signed up for. They're giving my route away to other people as well. So yep. I'm making less money, and instead of being paid for the work that cause I get paid hourly plus piecemeal, uh, I'm only making hourly when I'm working in a warehouse when I should be out delivery making triple what I should be making. Yeah, I mean, uh, very, very topical, Mike. We just uh, were discussing constructive dismissal, and it seems like your situation uh, could be the epitome of a constructive dismissal because you've mentioned uh, a number of changes, a change to the actual job that they want you to perform from a from a owner-operator of a truck to working in the warehouse to lower wages or, or the nature of the work being such that you're not going to make the earnings you made before. So it seems like just based on those two changes alone, uh, there's a very good chance that that would be deemed uh, significant. And if you're not agreeable to that and, and are objecting to that, then this is the time to do it, you know, to, to state your objection. And at that point, your employer, the ball's going to be in their court. You know, they, they may decide to say, look, it's our way or the highway take it or leave it, in which case you may very well be able to claim that they've now terminated your employment for that reason and go after severance. Uh, they may sort of maybe pull back a bit and, and give you your, your truck dri driving job back or, or give you your wages back. So that's a possibility. But if they're not going to do that and you're not on board with those changes, then uh, as I say, that's that's pretty much a constructive dismissal textbook. And um, you'll, you'll want to take action sooner than later. You don't want to I think as the one of the earlier callers said, wait a number of months and just sort of be seen as possibly accepting that change. Um, you want to voice it earlier um, because you never know what could happen later on down the road and having that kind of evidence out there that you did object at that time uh, could end up serving your interest quite well. So I would say that if you are in fact in the situation and you want to pursue this a bit further, give us a call and um, we can flesh some things out more and uh, find out exactly what you're entitled to. But I did also want to say um, just one other thing is uh, check out uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, Mike, because this is a great way for people to figure out how much severance they'd be owed if they have been constructively dismissed or otherwise. So um, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca would, would be another good starting point. But otherwise, definitely give us a call and we could take it from there. Mike, number four for the night. Appreciate it, pal. But we are out of time. Tina and everybody else standing in line or waiting in line anyway, that's okay. You've still got an outlet to reach out and get your questions answered as we wrap it up for another night. Uh, lawyer Christopher Justice, associate at San Firu Tamarkin LLP. Nicely done, sir. Good maiden voyage for you. I know you'll be back uh, dishing out the uh, the justice. I had to say it, man. I had to get it in there at least once tonight, right? But uh, you want to reach uh, Chris now that we are done and a member of his team would love to talk to you. 1-855-821-5900 would be the way to do exactly that. It is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And yeah, Chris just said it, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, full of employment law information. Absolutely free and anonymous, and that severance pay calculator is there as well. We'll pick it up again Wednesday evening. Appreciate all your calls and listening to the show tonight. Don't go anywhere, though. On Point, our pal Alex Pearson coming right back on Global News Radio.